I'm George Shapiro, and this is Game Changers, and this is Vicki Abelson. Oh, yay, George! Yay. You said my name right. Oh, oh. I'm so happy. Hi, George. Oh, hi. Wait, where's, which, where's it's Andy? Abelson, don't forget. She has an incredible future in front of her. She's brilliant. Are we on camera? Yeah. Oh. Where's, where's Andy Kaufman? Show me Andy Kaufman. Well, show... Andy Kaufman is he, down oh, he's, there. He's, and who is this? This is Rosie the Riveter. Ro why is it Rosie the River? Well, because she's a, she was helpful in World War II. Oh, no, she didn't in World War II. She didn't live that long. Oh, I just her name is Rosie, and you know that was a famous title before you were way before you were born in World War II. Well, not so there way. Was a, there was uh, a great, great uh, character, Rosie the Riveter. And, and, and Andy Kaufman is Amy Hyatt's dog. Amy Hyatt is my producer. Hi, I Amy. Work with. You can talk from back there the whole show. She has a dog named Andy Kaufman. And okay, so I, I don't think you know this story. Because George and I have met many times at Phil Rosenthal's house. Phil Rosenthal is a mutual friend of ours and we both love him. Uh, like, I'm in love with him. She I, likes no, him. No, no. I, I love him madly. But don't tell Monica. I but I, I love I won't Phil. Tell no, but I, I love Monica almost and as much as I love Phil. you don't tell Katie how much I love Phil. So, K -k 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 so, oh, so, all right, so this is a story I've never told you before. Because of Andy Kaufman, George's client, and George made Andy, so we're going to talk about that. I quit smoking when Andy died. I quit smoking 33 and a half years ago because he, died of, because he died of lung cancer and he had never smoked a cigarette. But I was so impacted by the fact that he died of lung cancer. Yeah. My mother was trying to get me to quit for 10 years. Nothing worked. Andy died, I quit smoking wow. like three days later. Yeah, I, I quit smoking because I burned someone's desk when I was working at William Morris and he, he was a, a paratrooper and he, he was a, a killer, a trained killer like me. So I, I burned the thing and they said, I'm, I'm quitting smoking because he chased me down the hall. <laughs> Luckily, I was a faster runner than him. But that's when I quit smoking. I was, really? How I was, old? I was 30 when I quit smoking. Um, I was, I was about 30 also. Well, we have so much in common. <laughs> Wait, it's a phenomenon. <laughs> This is a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. As, as, as Lenny Lauren would say, this is a phenomenon. <laughs> okay, so George, oh, there's things, see, there's things making noise in here. But that's okay, because we can, we, I don't know, something, you, you have a little with the hearing, so it's okay. I, I, I have a, I have, I'm deaf in one ear, but I, I could hear in this Okay, ear. so why are you deaf? Anti-aircraft artillery in World War, after World War II. So what happened? Korean, the, well, I was in the infantry, I'm a trained killer in the infantry. Okay, now stop. What does train killer mean? Oh, you learn on every weapon. With bayonets, with uh, M1s. Did you ever kill anybody? Guns. I don't want to talk about it. No, okay. No, I didn't. You didn't? No. You're a Jewish boy. You I can't was, kill people. Oh, yeah. I could kill people. Yeah? Yeah, I'm not afraid. No tengo miedo. Comprende? <laughs> no tengo miedo. I'm not afraid. <laughs> then I went into the... The, the army does things a little silly. I was in the infantry. Yeah. You know, 18 weeks of infantry training, advanced infantry training, and then they sent me into the artillery and then a missile battalion. Mm. And, and I don't want to talk about the end of my career because I'm embarrassed by it. Okay. I became a lifeguard at the WAC swimming pool <laughs> at Fort Monroe, Virginia. Did you really? Yeah, with did all my training as a killer. That's what the, the army does. Did you, know? you, did you save anybody's life as a lifeguard? Well, one, one WAC. <laughs> a WAC is a, a woman. Army. Women's Army Corps. Oh, Women's Army Corps. Women's Army Corps. And you, did you really because save I, a whack? I, yes, I saved one whack. Wow. Yeah, but I could have saved more. Well, I, I don't know. You saved one. <laughs> you let the rest of them go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. See, George, how come you were not? So, George, all right, for, the, for anybody who 
who's been under a rock and doesn't know. George is is the king of comedy. He he is he is the sultan. I'm so embarrassed. Go ahead. But but <laughs> but, but he's the sultan of show because and I love your line from Man in the Moon. Your character Betterman is that the, the character's yes. name? And you say Mr. Besselman. Besselman. Besser. Mr. Besserman. There is no. Without business, there is no show. Yeah, well, I, I put that in. I Did think, you really? Yes, I, I, I threw that line in. Yeah, I said, I, it's show business, Andy. I said, try some jokes, you know? Then I threw in that joke. I said, well, why did the Siamese twins go to England? He said, why? So the other one could drive. <laughs> he said, and then uh, Andy, Andy said, as Jim carried yeah. on, he said, well, why can't the other? Never mind, never mind. <laughs> but don't you understand? You can't sing Pop Goes the Weasel all the time. People are going to walk out in the middle of the act. It's show business, show business. Without the show, there's no business. It's, fa it's fantastic. Actually, Bill Rosenthal Without the business, there's no show. That's it. Without yeah. the business, there's no show. And Jim was following. Jim was amazing. You know, because I loved Andy Kaufman. He brought Andy completely back to life. Four months, he was on the set. It was, there was no Jim Carrey. The cast and crew never, wow. never met Jim Carrey. Wow. He was Andy Kaufman in character the whole time. Even Milos Foreman two-time, you know, Oscar winner, mm -hmm. could not, not communicate, you know, with Jim Carrey, it was all Andy Kaufman. Okay, so before we get to The Man in the Moon, I want to know a little bit about George Shapiro and how you got to Andy. So, I know... That's a good story. Right? I want to hear the story, because I don't I don't know the story. So, where did you, did you grow up in the Bronx? Are you a Bronx boy? Uh, I, I, yes. The, where? I, I was living on Marshallwood Parkway and Jerome Avenue, went to PS80 in the Bronx, where also Ralph Lauren, his name was Ralphie Lipschitz. Ralph Lauren went there and Calvin Klein. Two of the world-class designers were wow. PSA to Gary Marshall, Penny Marshall, Rob Reiner. Wow. Robert Klein went to PSA. Well, I went to PSA. Our school upon the park where we all delight to see in measures that are few. Dear please await in song of praise our voices your we raise upon to dear Golden Gray will love you just the same. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so I went to 83 in Castle Hill in That's the Bronx. Right. We, and, we, um, we're pretty close to each other. Pretty close. And you're, I heard that you're, uh, I don't want to jump around all over. We're going to jump, jump around. Don't be but afraid. We're going to jump. My <laughs> book is called Don't Jump, and your nephew and your uncle published it. Carl Reiner. Uncle Carl Reiner published a book. He did. Yes. Don't Jump, Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll, My Fucking Mother. And, um, Ooh. I know. You're allowed to say that on this kind of a telecast? We are. Wow. You can say anything you want. Oh, God. Okay, so wait, so let's get back to George. So you grew up by Mishula Parkway. You no, know, you see it mispronounced. See, we Marshall say, do. See, but we say Mishula. I know, but all the people that mispronounce it. Because I was from Bell and Parkway. They, they we mispronounce say Mishula Parkway. Yes, right. It does. <laughs> Tell me how to say it. Marshall Lou. It wasn't really Marshall Lou? That's the Indian name. The correct Indian name is Marshall Lou. I'm telling you, my whole life I've said Mashula. Oh, yes, it's so it's sad. So, <laughs> it's, so, it's so sad. All right, so you grew up in the Bronx. What's the. Okay, now, Carl wasn't your uncle no, at the Carl, very beginning. No, yet. Carl became my uncle when I was 12 years old, and he married my aunt, Estelle, who's my mama's sister. What a great, wonderful, incredible, creative aunt she was. Uh, uh, what a voice. Yeah, what, what a voice. beautiful jazz singer. And she made me these Easter eggs when I was a little boy. Beautiful paint. She's an artist. Right, beautiful painted Jewish. Easter egg. Yeah? Yes, and I was like three, four, five years old. And yeah? She made me, I still remember those eggs. They're wow. so beautiful. 
So, so when Carl became your uncle, he was already Carl Reiner. Yeah, he, I was very proud of him before he was even in show business because he was a soldier. Yes. He was a soldier in World War II. Mm -hmm. He was a corporal and he was 21 years old and my aunt Estelle was 29. Uh, and he, right, she was an older woman. Yes, it was oh. unusual in those days. It was. Yeah, he, there was an eight year age difference. Uh -huh. And when he came in to uh, uh, my, my Uncle Eddie's house, I was, I was so excited because we didn't have any soldiers in, in our family. We had no one in the military. Really? So he was the first one. Oh, wow. So when he came in uh, to my Aunt Sylvia's house, my Uncle Eddie and Aunt Sylvia, I jumped on his shoulders. I was so excited. Oh. And, and he could have thrown me down, but instead he gave me a piggyback ride. Aww. So that's why I loved Uncle Carl since how, I'm 12 years old. How did he meet Estelle? Uh, they worked at a place called Alabin Acres. It's a, it was a, 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 a yeah, it wasn't, I don't know if it was a castle. It might have been the Adirondacks, but mm -hmm. it was a, a, a resort uh -huh. where uh, Estelle worked in the set design and Carl, Carl was uh, an actor. And that's how they met. And then he went to war, but they were writing to each other Yeah, the she whole was, time. oh yeah, they have incredible letters and, mm -hmm. uh, I think Carl has all of them, mm -hmm. you know, because he was in the South Pacific. And he was supposed to go to Iwo Jima, and then he went into special services. Then he met up at the end of the war, he had met up with the, his original uh, company. So, so when he became your uncle, story. it was before he was really uh, 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 Carl Reiner, like the Well, Carl. yeah, I mean, he was 21 years old, and he was oh, in the army since, I think, he, since he was like 19 or 20. So, so he was not famous. But he was, in the army, they recognized him so he did his special services yeah. so he used to do stand-up comedy <laughs> and sketches you know he used to do these sketches he did you know at his wedding mm -hmm. my mother said do Adolf Hitler because he did a hilarious <gasps> he did a hilarious Hitler you know him and, him, him and Mel have that in common and making fun of Adolf Hitler so Carl did the whole thing with a mustache and at his, at his wedding we were all hysterical so I knew he was funny yeah you know from the time I first met him, uh -huh. and then then he you know he went into the show of shows, and I used to, when I was a teenager, I used to go down there and, and watch the show of shows and meet Sid Caesar and oh, Mel Brooks wow. and, and uh, Imogene Coca and Howie Morris. Did now, you know? Is did that is did that spark your interest in show business? That was one of the huge things that sparked my interest in show business. But what really did it when I was like 19, 20 years old, I was a, a lifeguard at Tamman in the Pocono Mountains. <laughs> which is a resort where they had a, a, a theatrical staff that came up every week. Mm -hmm. You know, and they had singers and dancers. Dick Sean was a comedian. Neil Simon, Doc, Doc Simon, and his brother, Danny Simon, were the head writers. Herb Ross was a choreographer. Oh my gosh. And he, he ended up, you know, doing a Turning Point and a Footloose. And, yes. Uh, you know, uh, the Goodbye uh, Girl. Good, goodbye Girl and, uh, and also uh, the Sunshine Boys. He wow. did all these great movies. Wow. He was a choreographer. Mm -hmm. So I used to watch him, you know, create these dance numbers. Then I, when I became an agent, I became an agent because these guys used to come up and dance, dance with the girls. I gave them rowboats and canoes. And, uh, and they used to have dinner with the, these beautiful singers and dancers. I said, this is what you do for a living? I mean, you, this is your job? <laughs> So I said, I had to go to the army, you know, yeah. to keep you all free. And we, where's the hat? We thank so, you for so, your service. Oh, then, <laughs> well, let's get the hat. Let's get the hat. Let's go. And, yeah. and, and thank you. You can throw yeah. it to me, Christina. Thank you. And Christina's behind the camera. Hi, Hi Christina Guzman. Christina's an incredible, not only is she beautiful, but she's a talented cinematographer. She oh, is. You're so that's fine. good. So, so this, this is, this says, thank you, veterans. And, uh. I didn't do that much personally. Mister, I'm talking to you. I did not do that much personally. <laughs> Are you 
Yes, very good. At least I did a good impression. Exactly. Amazing. Did a good but but I I love veterans. I love what they do, and I feel very fortunate that they are here to defend our country. And you were one of them, and, and a train killer, which is crazy, because look at you, you don't look like a train killer. That's the, that's the beauty that, of it. You fool them. That's the beauty of it. They're not expecting it. They're not expecting to get killed by me. That's the beauty of my smile. And being a, a train killer, that combo. There's not that many combos around. All right, so, All right. so, you had, so did you ever want to be in front of the camera? Did you, was there, there ever the dream to perform? You see, this is what's, I, I, I have to tell you something. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to do this. I did this because, you know... Because I begged and pleaded. She begged me and, you know, Phil, Phil, Phil Rosenthal is such a good friend. You know, Vicky and I both. So how could I say no? See, I, I, you know, I always say, I don't want to be a celebrity. You know, like Jerry's fine. I don't want to be a pirate. You know, and I, and on, I don't want to be a celebrity. You know, I'm around celebrities all the time, you know. You I, never I worked a lot it? with Steve Martin and, and, and Jim Carrey. And Carl Reiner and Jerry Seinfeld and Ann, you know, they, there's such a rush to them. They don't have the privacy that I I enjoy. So never once, as a little kid, did you do plays in school when you were a little kid? I, 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 when I went to Camp Troop in Colchester, Connecticut, uh -huh. uh, I don't want to sing that song because I don't want to make this a musical. Because I, I know all the songs. <laughs> yes. Hear the sound of campers' voices ringing clear and true, true for true. Okay. I, I, won't go I went to camp too. My father was a master of ceremonies in the Catskill Mountains. Oh, you really? So that's my whole upbringing oh, all my that's life. That's incredible. So, all right. So, so. Oh, oh, so I did. I did one thing. I was in a play. Yeah. And I did one thing, and I, I, I grabbed someone's hat and I ran across the stage and I got a laugh. I said, "Hey, this is fun." <laughs> but that's all. But I really, I, I, I went, Also, when I was five, six years old, I tap danced. You know, and I was pretty good at tap dancing. Too cute. But then the kids made fun of me because we had metal steps and my. My, 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 my metal taps would click, 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 click. And they said, look at him, he's a sissy. He dances. Oh, no. And I stopped. Oh, no. the, the greatest regret of my life. Yeah. Is it true? Yeah. You could still do I it? I would still be tap dancing today. Because <laughs> I have never, this energy. It's I have never, energy to dance. It's never too late to leap shuffle ball change. That's good. It's never too late. She's so wise. Yes. Okay, so, so... So you realized that if you became an agent, so how did the agent thing happen? Oh, well, I was, I was, said, I was saying that yeah. I worked at Tamamen right. and had a theater staff, which mm -hmm. was uh, founded by Max Lieben. You know, this was about four or five years before I came. Okay. He brought up an entire staff of singers mm -hmm. and dancers, choreographers, writers, composers. Wow. Sheldon Harnick was up there, Larry Olive Center. You know, they worked up there the year I was there, and Dick uh -huh. Sean was the head comic. Dick Sean, one of the funniest men oh ever in the God. history of and the world. Was, so it was a joy, not, not like that, but I really connected to laughter then, and mm. that sort of set the tone. But then, Wait, was, so wait, was your house funny? Were, were your parents funny? Yeah, I mean, they weren't, they weren't like, uh, they both had a great sense of humor, and they okay. enjoyed life, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they were, both had a great sense of humor. Uh, my father he just had fun in life, and uh, I, what did he I, do I got that spirit. He was a furrier. A when, funny furrier. A funny furrier. <laughs> but, the, but the one thing I knew when growing up, I didn't want to be a furrier. Mm. I didn't want to be a celebrity. I don't want to be a furrier. What was the first thing? I don't thing, want to be a celebrity. What, what was the first thing you wanted to be when you grew up, like when you were a little kid? Uh, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a. I wanted to play baseball. Oh. And I wanted to play for the Dodgers because. Wait a minute, I, 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 I was from the Bronx, yeah. and this is there's 15 of us friends like since we're five years old. Wow. And Howard West, my partner, who I, who left us three years ago, and I love him, and 
out of the 15 guys, two of us went with the underdogs. The Yankees were so dominant. Oh. The New York Yankees were so dominant. And we liked it. And the Dodgers were sort of colorful underdogs. So we both gravitated, the two of us. We suffered a lot. You suffered? Because the Yankees, uh, I think I made a mistake. But it didn't. I love the Dodgers. I love them to this day. But that was when two they more were... heartbreaks, the last two World Series. <laughs> but, oh, I don't want to talk about it. But that's when they were the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yes, and I, you that, were Bronx boys. Yes, that's right. So you, you so were we, 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 we had a tough time. But that's amazing. But that been a Dodger listen to this. All that time. The greatest year of my life. Yes. The greatest year of the life of George Shapiro. <laughs> this is breaking news for some people. <laughs> It was 1955 when the Dodgers beat the Yankees in the oh. World Series. <laughs> you hate Dodgers, 1955. I'm stuck there. Okay. I was born then. And you were born in 1955. I was. What a great year for us. Oh, isn't that great? Isn't life fun? I was blessed. Isn't life fun? Life is fun. Isn't that great? And, and this is like, isn't that amazing coincidence? It, it is 1955 amazing. was the best year of my life, and hopefully, it was the best year of your parents' life. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, all right. So, so okay. So, get back to the story about why you. So, you're up at Tannerman and you see this whole show being produced. Yes, and, and then on the weekends we yeah. did, They did a, a, a full show. Mm -hmm. all, they worked all week on original music and choreography and uh, uh, sketches. Okay. They wrote all this mm -hmm. and they presented it uh, on on Sunday and then. They'd work all week for the next one, which was on right. the following Saturday. Uh -huh. And the and the and the, uh, the the guests would come up on Sunday. Right. It was a singles place, so it was a great place for to be a lifeguard. Well, I was a hyphen. <laughs> I was a hyphen. I was a lifeguard, stagehand, and usher. <laughs> nice. So we that were also more of show business because sometimes we had to work backstage and all that. Uh huh. So they, I so I watched them put on this show every week. Uh, there was sort of the, the, when the guests came up, they mm -hmm. saw a new show on Sunday, mm -hmm. and then the following Saturday they see a show, and then on Wednesday they had an Ed Sullivan type show, a variety show, right. where Barbara Cook was a singer up there, and, wow. and she would sing, and Dick Sean would do a stand-up comedy, mm -hmm. you know, so they'd have like an Ed Sullivan kind of variety show. So the guests of the place was fantastic. Mm -hmm. So the guests saw three shows during the week, mm -hmm. you know, Sunday, Wednesday, and Saturday, and then they, as lifeguards we had a come down and dance with the girls because there's always more girls than boys so that was our assignment oh. we had to come down on saturday night after kind the of show. like the dirty dancing thing right a little bit like that the cats go well, a little the, bit but like the that. funny thing is the dirty dancing mm -hmm. that was the exact rooms that we had the, the you know the, the, those little rooms that you shared like two guys shared, uh -huh. shared a little room and it was exactly the same in dirty was it dancing. called the shacks where you were where i was it was called the shacks where the staff lived well, there was we were in, in different cabins, so it okay. wasn't it wasn't one big place. Right. And it was it was like four people in a cabin, and the, and, and you had a, room, a roommate. And okay, so so what made you but, but, think but the I, idea? But of when I talk to these agents, yeah. and, and they come up and they're having dinner with these beautiful singers and dancers and. Look at all the love you're getting. So, you're getting so, a lot of love. See all the hearts flying up? Uh, That's people sending look, you love. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh my God. Like, look at all the love. It's that, not stopping. That, oh my God. Yeah, there's so much love for you. Wow. Look at all these people Whoa. loving you. Here's a couple of black ones. You see, you, you called attention no. to it. Now they're saying, forget about that guy. <laughs> forget him. I don't, I'm, I'm, I, no thank you. No thank no, you. No, look, you're getting so much love. I can't believe it. You I distracted me from our interview. All right, so. Because I was just focused on, on I'm being an agent. Oh, so that's what started me, and they got a job in the mailroom for thirty-eight dollars a week, which was my worst negotiation. 
$38 per week. And I asked the, I asked the head of the mailroom, I said, are you sure that's the minimum wage? And he said, that is precisely the minimum age. Age, 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 age. I still get upset that it worked for $38 a week, but then I got a raise to 40, and then 42. How long were you in the mailroom? I was in the mailroom for 13 months. Okay. Which isn't bad compared to, to the training today. Right. Also, I wanted to go into a, uh, I could have gone into the personal appearance department, but I really was looking for the theater department or television or motion pictures. So I sort of waited until an opening came up uh -huh. where you're working for an agent. So I waited and uh, then I worked in the, in the television department. However, the first one was a legit department, but my boss got fired. Oh. Then I worked in there television department, my boss got fired. Oh. So it wasn't looking good for George Shapiro. They said, they said that's George Shapiro, look at the black cloud over there. But you were still but there, but, though. But, but then, but I was still there floating around to different, uh -huh. uh, an assistant to different people. And then Ben Griefer, God bless him, took me in as a, he was a packaging agent in television, putting shows together. And that was your Which thing. is really my learning about producing. So I worked for him and that worked out great. And then I started a room, I was being transferred to LA because all the production, going to LA. Mm -hmm. So I started that rumor and the rumor took and they, they sold the Steve Allen show, variety show. So I came out to LA, you know, to do that. Then this, then it became the Smothers Brothers. I worked on oh. with the Smothers Brothers coming out. I love and, that show. And I found Jim Neighbors at the, at the horn. He was a film cutter. You worked, found him? Yeah. When he, he was working as a film cutter, oh. but he used to go to this club to sing. Vicky, Vicky Carr worked there and Jack Lawrence and you know, a few mm -hmm. other people. Uh, uh, and it was uh, a great club, and then I, I found Jim and I signed him to William Morris, and then he got the. In fact, I sent a letter to Aaron Rubin, the producer, mm -hmm. to check him out, to maybe work at him, so he got signed as Goma Pyle, the gas attendant on Andy Griffith, and one season later, he got spun off into Goma Pyle, USMC. Which was amazing. So that was, it was, it was all who about else, Who were your other, who were your other clients when you were at William Morris? Well, I, I, let's see now. Uh, well, I, I worked with, you know, the Dick, Bill, Bill Persky and Sam Denner for my writing clients. And, uh, Didn't you know, Bill Persky do all of the... Um, he, he created That Girl with, with Sam Denner. Uh, they, were, they were my, like, my, my first clients. And after that, they did the Andy Williams show. And then I sent material to Carl Reiner. And they did, ended up uh, doing the Dick Van Dyke show and producing it. When Carl did, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. Oh. So they, they took over and, and, they, and they did that. Uh, and it was, uh, was was Carl your first? Okay, so how long were you an agent before you decided to go into personal management? I was an agent. I, I worked at William Morris combined eighteen years. That's a long time. And, and, yeah, and that that was including you know working in the mailroom and an assistant, and then. Uh, and what did you package? What 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 was some of the things you worked on when you were packaging? Well, I it was the Jim Neighbors, you know, the Goma Pile, mm -hmm. and, and That Girl, and Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, and uh, then specials with, with Dick Van Dyke, did a special, Mary Tyler Moore, Carol Channing, Jesus. so I was working, I was working on, on, on those variety shows, mm -hmm. and then, uh, then I decided to... Uh, was Howard working with you there as well? You know, I got, it's funny. My relationship with Howard, I got him the job as a lifeguard, at, at, you know, at that Okay, start of, how you met Howard. I was at, we were eight years old at the PS80 in the, in the Bronx, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I, the other friends of mine were five years old, we were all, we were all for a friend, and he was a new kid that just transferred to the school, and he was sitting on a stoop, 
Mm-hmm. You know, just alone. They don't know what a stoop is, George. It's a step. It's York. a step. Oh, stoop. The, the, See, the, Christina didn't know the, what a stoop oh, is. People okay. out here don't know a okay, stoop. Okay, a stoop is like the stairs lead, leading up to stoop. a door usually. Oh, okay. You know, and, and we used to play on the so, stoop. We used to play uh, stoop ball. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It was a curveball. We called it stoop With a, ball. With a, 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 a pink spalding. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's in the Bronx Boys. We did this H, these HBO specials when we were 70 years old called uh, The Bronx Boys. <laughs> the, 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 that, and we're doing another one called The Bronx. That's what Amy was telling me. Yeah, we're doing another one. Anyhow, I met Howie, and he was all alone. I said, look, you wanna, we, we play, you know, stickball and football and, and uh, stick, you know, after school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he joined us. So we played stickball and basketball and football. And, and then we were friends since we were eight years old. And we became partners. The okay, first so partnership, how did it happen? The first partnership was comic books. Was, oh. was, you know, it cost 10 cents for a comic book. <laughs> uh, and so we each chipped in five cents each. That's where we first oh. became partners. And also we bought the first adventure comic book where Superman was featured. Now, oh. I don't want to say I feel bad about that. I didn't keep it. Oh. It cost 10 cents. And it was just sold for $3 million. Stop! I swear I to God. It. I believe it, yeah. Are you kidding me? I swear me? to God. You know, I don't know if the rest of the country does that. In the Bronx, when you swear to God, you go pinky swear. <laughs> I never heard that. That was right to God. I swear to God. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so prominent, and every time, every time I wanted someone to believe us, we said that. I swear to God. Pinky swear. Pinky swear. We used to do pinky swear this way. You did. Oh, yeah. you did it too. Yeah, but we did this. Because I didn't know it lasted we, that pinky long. Pinky swear was this. You had to go yeah. like this. We did it both ways. <laughs> but if you didn't have the other pinky around, you swear to God. <laughs> You know, but that's, uh, that's, uh... It's sold for three million dollars. And also, yeah, it's sold for three million. You look it up, they may be, may, may have gone beyond that by now. That's so, crazy. Uh, and I gravitated to the comedy, because when I was at, at William Morris, after the uh, uh, Steve Allen show was canceled, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was working with writers and, and uh, dramatic actors, and, and, you know, the funny thing is, they when they get depressed, dramatic people, they really get depressed. <laughs> But when, when, when right comedy writers get depressed, they're hilarious. They're still funny. I mean, they just are funny, yeah. you know. I mean, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it, it just ha- happens that way. Jerry Belson was one of the writers. He was depressed. He was hilarious. He would come in if there was something wrong, and we would just laugh our asses off. It was just, it, uh, it just uh, so, so funny. Okay, so you got Howard a job at William Morris? I got him a job initially in the mail room when I started there. Yeah. But he got impatient and he went for another job. Then when I got transferred out here, I, I, I begged them to hire Howard, even though he was married with a kid. And I, They finally said yes, if I could have him as my assistant. So we, oh. he came out from the Bronx, you know, to, out here, and he was my assistant. And like in two years, he was running the television department. Wow. He has the greatest business mind. Wow. So when I went into business, uh, I just was hoping he would join me because I'm, I'm, so, I'm so not a businessman that I left in August. Once I had the vision of going into Bernie Brillstein, who was a I was just going to say, how did that happen? Bernie Brillstein blazed the trail for me. He was a, worked, used to work at uh, William Morris, used to deliver mail to him. I thought he was the biggest agent because he had all these pictures of Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. and, and, and uh, Sophia Lauren and... Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster mm-hmm. had all these pictures, and, and I come back to the mail. Was this guy has to be the biggest agent in the world? He said, "No, he just got out of the mail room three months ago. <laughs> He's in publicity." He said, "That's how naive I was." Anyway, but he 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 had he had he had left uh, the agency mm-hmm. business, and he 
you know, you signed Lorne Michaels and Gilda Radner and uh, all, all the people from SNL, mm -hmm. John Belushi, uh, and, he, he, and he started producing movies. So I said, that's the path I want to follow. Once I made up my mind, I just bolted. I didn't wait for my bonus in December. <laughs> so Howard, in his infinite wisdom, he stayed till December, got his bonus, uh, and then he joined me, and I was the best thing that ever happened to me. Okay, in my so life. when you left, what was the impetus for? Your, what was the exact impetus for your leaving? What, what, did you take a client with you? What well, did you... my impetus was leaving is I asked uh, Abe Lasswell, who was the president of William Morris. Mm -hmm. I said, Abe, uh, do I have to wear a tie every day? And he said, Yes, that's the code. <laughs> I said, Thank you very much. <laughs> I bolted. <laughs> Did you take so, a client so, with you? So, Did you take anyone with you? Uh, well, it was Bill, Bill, Bill Persky and Sam Denoff, and mm -hmm. uh, there was a wonderful comic named Lonnie Shore mm -hmm. who came with us, and uh, and Carl, Carl Reiner, he, he came with me, and uh, and then we signed Andy Kaufman and Marty Feldman. Okay, so now how, Andy is, was never oh, exactly. The, the I see the 1955 poster up on your on oh, wall. That's right. That's a 19, you can't see it, but... Yeah. That's, maybe we'll do an insert someday okay. in the future. Yes. But that's a 1955 Dodgers who beat the Yankees <laughs> in the World Series. And Pee Wee Don't Reese, tell my son. Pee Wee Reese was my favorite player because he was little. And you see that B, that, that was for Brooklyn. And that, that, that's his uh, induction into the Hall of Fame. Mm. And uh, that's Jackie Robinson, who I love with all my heart. And so did Howard uh, stealing home. I'm gonna I'm gonna take pictures of Christina and I are gonna take pictures of all this stuff and we'll post it for you guys. And don't forget the picture with my. Well, body. yeah, with that, with that's that's in infamy now. With my with my body shop. Okay, <laughs> okay, so Carl, when Carl, oh, no, the, okay. when Carl went with you for personal management, what was he up to in his career at that point? Well, he, you, well he was uh, you know doing the uh, Dick Van. Dyke he was doing show. Dick Van Dyke when you went off. Yeah, mm -hmm. and. Uh, but but uh, you asked me about Andy Kaufman and Carl, the connection was Carl Reiner. How so? Because uh, Carl Reiner saw Andy, if Andy Stella and Uncle Carl, mm -hmm. and they were in New York. Yeah. And they went to catch a rising star, mm -hmm. and uh, and and then uh, he saw Andy Kaufman, and then like the day after he came back, we had lunch. I remember the NBC commissary. We just had lunch, and Dick Van Dyke was there. The three of us, Dick Van Dyke, and Carl, and then Carl was telling me about Andy Kaufman. He said, George, you have to get on a plane tomorrow and you have Stop. to fly to New York and see this guy. You know, he plays at the Catch a Rising Star in the improv and uh, Did I, he I tell never you saw what? anyone like that. He said, he does his thing. He talks like this and it's funny. He called it his whole act except, you know, his impressions of the, hello, I am, I am the, the President of the United States. Hello, I'm, I'm Jimmy Carter. President of the United States, thank you very much. Now I, now I do, I do, I, I do, uh, in, in the Archie Bunker. Okay, going into the kitchen, getting me the food. Dingy batty. You know, so Carl, Carl did this whole thing, I'm hysterical, like you. I'm hysterical. So, and then, as, as a coincidence, the next day, Bud Friedman, who owns the improv, called me and said he's working with this kid in, in uh, improv New York. He's going to fly him out to the Melrose Hollywood improv. So that was, as they say in Yiddish, Bashir. It was meant to be. So, so, I, so Bud invited me out and I saw Andy. And he was so crazy. You know, I like offbeat things. And so he, he just, I just totally connected with him. Like Howard, that, that was a little different kind of an act for Howard. But for me, it just, it just totally connected. And <laughs> how about as a hysterical. person? Because I don't know anything about Andy as a person. 
So when you're talking to Andy as a person, are you getting that stuff? That's a very, you know what, that's a good question. Because I thought he was so crazy, you know, being on stage and what he does, by the conga drum, all this stuff. It's great. You know, I said, this guy may be nuts and I may not want to work with him. Uh-huh. You know, so, so now, uh, but you know, and also when he turned into Elvis Presley, oh, it, was, it, was, it was a magic. Because mm-hmm. that even, that, that, that's the explosion of the whole act. Right. Doing all these stupid impressions that are terrible. <laughs> and then he said, now I have to do the Elvis Presley. A couple of, oh, come on. <laughs> and you know, people are walking out. And then he turns into Elvis Presley. And he really turns into Elvis. Because of the music of 2001. And he combs his hair and he turns around and he's Elvis. It's like Ramos. You better not be. And he, he sings these songs. And we found out later from Elvis that he was his favorite. Aww. You know, because there was, there was like a thousand impressionists. At uh, least. Uh, yeah. And he said, and his band guys we met, you know, and he uh-huh. said, yeah, he always talked about how funny Andrew. He said, I liked Andrew because he's funny. And I liked the way he moved his lip. <laughs> So, so that was so. So Carl did the whole impression, mm-hmm. and then when I saw him, I, I loved him, and I said I have to have lunch and dinner with him before I would sign him. Because, so what was that yeah. like? What was going to lunch with Andy like? Andy was talking about his brother and sister and his mother and his father. And, and, was he you know, being normal? Yeah. Well, that was that was the thing. It was very warm, mm. you know. And he loved his aunt Lily. When he used to fly to New York, he'd stop off in Florida to see his grandma, his grandma Lily. Mm. And, and so I, he touched me and as a human being, mm-hmm. then I worked with him and I, you know, I put up with his craziness because he followed, he was a, followed his own drummer. He was so unique. Yeah. So I, I just absolutely loved working with him and just, uh, you know, it just career ended at, he, he was uh, 35. Oh, <clears throat> And I, but his mind was amazing. You got him, you got him taxi like right away, didn't you? Oh, the, the taxi story is hilarious because. Go ahead. Because, uh, you know, uh, Ed Weinberger mm-hmm. and Jim Brooks and Stan Daniels, uh, uh, they they came down uh, to see him at the Improv. He was working at the Improv, Andy, and he only has his character Tony Clifton that he developed. Okay, so, did, did Tony Clifton happen before or after you were part of his life? Well, Tom, I, I, he did, when I was working with him, he started doing Tony Clifton, but he didn't do the makeup. He just had like a little mustache, like a character within right. his act. Uh-huh. Then he started putting makeup on, and he would not know that was Andy Kaufman. <laughs> so and Tony Clifton, at the, when Ed Weinberg and Jim Brooks came down, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the opening act was Tony Clifton, who's an obnoxious lounge singer. <laughs> Insults the audience. What are you talking about? What are you doing? Don't, don't tell me nothing, Mister. You know. So, uh, so he was the opening act, mm-hmm. and then there was an intermission while he took his makeup off, and then Andy comes back, and they're trying to cast a, a foreign mechanic for taxes right. with an accent. Did they know Tony Clifton was Andy? No, no, they didn't. They did not. That, that's part of the story. Okay. But. Uh, so uh, they said, well, we have to have him. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's right there. He doesn't have to do anything. That's the character we want. That's what we envision for Latka Gravis. Mm-hmm. You know? So I talked to Andy, and Andy said, I really want to do a sitcom. I love doing material and creating new things and being on stage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I said, but these guys are incredible. They did the Mary Tyler Moore show. They're just brilliant, brilliant people. And they, you could have an opportunity you know, to, to really hit it big. Mm-hmm. And I know you want to do all these shows with all the... The, 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 the great uh, costumes and, and, and uh, production, mm-hmm. and this will give you a, a funding you know, to do what you love. So he said, I'll tell you, I will do it only, uh, I don't want to do 22 episodes because I had an order for 22 episodes. 
He said, I'll do 14 episodes, and if they offer Tony Clifton four episodes, I'll do the show, otherwise I, I, I pass. So I had to go to Eddie, you know, Eddie and Jim and say, look, he would do it, but only, I said, I also have news for you, that, guy, that opening act guy that was a little obnoxious, that was Andy under that makeup. And, and, uh, and uh, you only do it if, if he gets, if Tony Clifton gets four episodes. And Andy said he would do 14. And they said, well, we need Andy, he's just so perfect, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll do it. Wow. And, and then uh, I had to negotiate two deals because Andy. <laughs> you had to negotiate yeah, a deal for Tony Clifton? With Paramount. Because Tony Clifton, he wasn't as famous as Andy. So Andy got, you know, like three times more money. <laughs> So I had two separate deals and I negotiated two different uh, parking places and two different dressing rooms. One for Andy and one for Tony. That's hysterical. And you should have heard, you know, the, the, the guys at Business Affairs at Paramount said, what? What? I said, well, check Eddie Weinberg and Jim Brooks, you know, because oh I think they, they're supporting us. So out of the box, the show was a hit. Locker was a huge hit. Oh, yeah. And then it came time for Tony Clifton to do his episode. Yeah. And, and they thought of a good character, Louis De Palma, Danny DeVito. You know, he, uh, they, they wrote a kid brother, for, a near-do-well, you know, guy that drank and gambled, his, his kid brother, mm -hmm. Nick, Nick De Palma. And that, that, was, that was Tony Clifton. So Tony Clifton gets a script, first of all, and then he, rent, he rents a Winnebago bigger than Judd Hirsch's. You know, Tony gets this big, huge Winnebago uh, for a dressing room. And he comes down with two hookers, a you know, a, a brunette and a blonde, you know, and uh, and he said, I want to bring my friends to the reading, if that's okay with you, Mr. Weinberger. So he said, okay. So he has a one hooker on each, each very attractive hookers. They dress nice and everything. Uh, and then he then he starts reading the script. He said, bullshit, 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 my line, bullshit, 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 my line, you know, and. So, and then, and he has a Jack Daniels, he takes a sip from Jack. Andy Kaufman did not drink. Really? But Tony Clifton did. Oh, so oh he my had, he God. Had, so he had the Jack Daniels. And he was, was it really Jack Daniels? Yeah. So he would really drink his Tony? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He drank it. So then. That's commitment. So, and, and in the contract, I had this in the contract in my infinite wisdom. Yeah. Uh, that if, if they fired, I anticipated the possibility of Tony getting fired. Oh. If they let Tony go, then Andy would have the option to leave the series. Wow. And that's in the contract. They have the contract. And wow. the, the whole thing with the dressing room and, and, and uh, separate parking. That's too funny. So, uh, so you're saying so you're not a businessman, but clearly you but are. That, that, was, that was sort of an emotional thing, more mm -hmm. than the business part of it. Mm -hmm. and, but yeah, uh, so then uh, two weeks, I mean, it was like two days into rehearsal, mm -hmm. and Ed Weimer said, oh my God, the, he calls me and said, look, it's not working out with Tony. First of all, he's not a good actor. He's been drinking. He's late for rehearsals. It's just not working out. And uh, can we please fire him? I said, well, I have to go to Andy because you know he, he has the option of, of leaving a series. So I go to Andy and uh, I, I, I said, I want to fire Tony. And I think Andy might have been not happy with all the makeup and all. So he said, I'll, I'll, I'll let them fire Tony and stay with the show only if they fire Tony uh, at the run-through, so, so that everyone is there, all the, all the people, uh, the, the, you know, the stands are packed. It's a three-camera show, multi-camera show, and it's packed. And uh, the, well, he says, you have to, have to find me in front of everybody. The network, you know, is, uh, you know it was a ABC, and, uh, and, and, and uh, all the people at Paramount, and the, well, the assistants. Yeah. The place is full, because 
Crash him with such a big head. So he's doing that, and, and, and he comes out, and Maurice comes out, he gives gifts to everybody, Tony Clifton. He goes, I got gifts to everybody here, come on, look at this, and they have little dolls walking, running around. And then, and, and then they tell him he's fired. He said, you can't fire me. I have a car. Where's George Shapiro? Get George Shapiro out here. Okay, you can't fire him. And, and it, well, the, the, now the cast is really getting upset. Because he's just giving them presents. Yeah, but of course, you know, they want to rehearse. They want to get down to business. Mm -hmm. And John Hirsch is yelling at him. I brought a tape recorder. Remember those audio tape recorders sure. that before you were born? No, no, I know those. Okay. That, so I, I taped all the whole conversation. I, oh, I, later on, God. I gave it to the writers you know, for Man on the Moon, the oh. exact dialogue with Andy, I mean, Tony, not wanting to go. And then they call security, and, you know, and, and, uh, and they would, and then Bill Nadelseeder, who's a reporter, and he was working, I think, for the LA Times at the time. He was taking pictures and doing a report on the whole thing. And uh, so he took these pictures, and they finally took him out, security, three security guards, you know, took him out. And she said, oh, you go to my wedding bagel. He says, no, you're coming out. Let me go, what about the girls? I don't want to leave the girls. So they, 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 threw him all, they threw him out of the set. Yeah. And then Bob Zamuda, who was Andy's, uh, you know, writer and worked with Andy, and he made believe he was Tony Clifton's manager, because I was Andy's manager. So, and so and he, he, made, he was all dressed in a suit, and he, he got the camera back, because they, they confiscated the camera because they didn't want to show an actor being thrown off the set. You know, Paramount <laughs> didn't want it. But Rob, but, but Bob retrieved it, and then he gave it to me, and I, I went off with it, uh, one of those uh, carts with the wardrobe. Yeah. I, got, I ran off the lot. <laughs> and and I, I told Andy I'd meet him at the, uh, this Nicodell restaurant around the corner. So I, I get out, and I see Andy there. He had the makeup off, and he said, George, this is the greatest day of my life. He said, this is theater of the street. This is what I live for. Getting thrown out and fired. He was exuberant. I never saw a happier actor in my life. And that, that's part of his essence, which, uh, which, 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 which was so amazing. And he created all of these in, uh, incredible characters. And he was a really terrific musician. When, when Jim Carrey, uh, you know, he actually was already did Ace Ventura. Mm -hmm. He was a star, mm -hmm. but he wanted to do this picture so badly mm -hmm. that he did a, a, a audition video wow. himself, and he got the conga drums, played the conga drums beautifully. You know, he's an impeccable impressionist. Mm -hmm. And I knew him, I, Jim, when he started out when he was 19 years old. Oh wow! And uh, I was doing stand up, and he mm -hmm. was the greatest impressionist. And then when Andy died, Jim, you know, he, he hit sort of hit a wall here doing stand up, mm -hmm. and he went back to the Toronto, Toronto to Canada. Mm -hmm. And then he came, then he got this job on Unliving Cola. He was known as the only white guy on Unliving Cola. <laughs> you know, he played Bill, the, the, the fire chief, whatever. But, and, and, uh, and, he, and he came to the memorial of Andy when he was 35 years old. Him and Jimmy Miller, his, his manager, mm -hmm. came down and he, we saw all these incredible videos. Andy's life's work was incredible. Mm -hmm. Incredible, you know, memorial act. Tribute, and uh, and Jim said, "I love Andy Kaufman," and this is nine years before Man on the Moon. I said, "My wow. dream would be for you to play Andy Kaufman if I do a bio." Wow! If I do a bio, and sure enough, nine years later, wow, he did it. There was a lot of a lot of top actors that wanted to do the role, but they, but I was watching. I sat with Howard and, and Milos Forman, and the three of us watched this tape. And uh, I said, I love it, love it. And the Mueller said, that's, the, we have to go with him. Wow. We have to go with him. So now how did they come to cast 
Danny DeVito as you, George? Because that's another what, good question. What was your original hope? That's a really good question. I'll tell you, you okay, you're, yeah. you're asking such an apropos question. Good. Because Danny DeVito called me and he said, you know, I know that you're pitching to Warner Brothers that I was talking about a bio on Andy Kaufman, you know, about his life. Mm -hmm. And he said, I know you're pitching this and you're talking to Warner Brothers. And uh, I said, Milos Forman is interested in doing the movies. I have Milos Forman that would do it. You know, that loves Andy, mm -hmm. saw his act, and you know, he has a great affinity towards Andy. And uh, I said, we could do it as a joint venture with Shapiro West Productions and Jersey Films, which is, An which is Danny DeVito's yeah. company. Mm -hmm. And, did Danny, uh, did Danny and Andy have a good rapport when they were working on Taxi? Were they close? They, they loved each other, mm -hmm. but nobody, everyone was annoyed with Andy. I mean, because of Tony Clifton, and he had his meditation, and <laughs> you know, and he was just a little offbeat. He wasn't like dedicated with the, by the rest of them, but he was. It was great, and he got, you know, he got great reviews and all that. So, mm -hmm. but everyone kind of liked him, even mm -hmm. though they were uh, getting uh, annoyed, annoyed and upset by him. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, so uh, we're talking about um, where how Danny came I to lost play my, you. I how, lost my I'm play. giving you back. But okay. Danny DeVito. So yeah. Danny said Milos is interested, mm -hmm. and it should be a joint venture with Shapiro West Productions and Jersey Films, mm -hmm. and I'll play you. <laughs> and then I said, Danny, I, I was thinking of Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> and that. That's how I, I told Danny. I was thinking of Brad Pitt. And this is before Brad did this comedy called uh, uh, Burn After Reading, and he was hilarious in it, with, with George Clooney. Yes. He was very funny because prior to that, you know, Thelma and Louise, right, and he did mostly yeah. dramatic kind of roles, but he was very funny in this. And, uh, and that was that. But I said, ah, but you go, ah, you have a certain amount of warmth and you're funny. And, uh, and the best thing that happened to me, it was a, a little guy, I'm like five, four and a half, Five five, and I'm a head taller than Danny DeVito. <laughs> so, so now, because of that, when people meet met me, they said, "I didn't know you were so tall." So that was the greatest thing in my life. I didn't realize how lucky I was that Danny DeVito played me. And and you had a part in the role in the movie, Mr. Besserman. Okay, so what was I played the part of Mr. Besserman, who was a nightclub owner that that fired his Andy Kaufman early in his career because because he was doing Pop Goes the Weasel. Didn't we say that, didn't I? No, we were just, we, we didn't really. We kind of said it before the show, I think. Oh, did I say it before the show? Yeah, we didn't say it on Because I don't want to do it twice. You didn't, I don't no, like you didn't do it yet. You didn't do and it we yet. can't cut this. No, we can't cut it. We're live. Okay. <laughs> so, so, and but we did, what you did say is that as Besserman, you had that line, without business, there's no show. Oh, yeah. Right? It's show business. Without, without the business, there's no show. It's show business. And you came and up he, with that? Yeah, I, I came up with that, and 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 then you know, and, and Jim was incredible. Show because he, he followed my hand. Show business, it's show business. With no, without the business, there's no show. You understand? And then he, we walked out of the uh, improv in the hallway. It was just um, incredible. But I, I didn't want to do this. I'm not an actor. I did not want to do this. You asked me before if I wanted to be on stage. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. Milos Forman said, George, because Milos. As a director, going way back, you know, to Czechoslovakia when he started, mm -hmm. he always used like six or seven civilians that never acted before. Oh, really? He liked to do that, you know, put them in the movie. So I tell you, I, when he first asked me, he said, you read for Mr. Besserman. And, and I said, I'm not an actor. Uh, I, I, I really can't do it. He said, you read, George! You know, you don't, you have, you have to say, you can't say no to him when you want to George, I remember it like it was yesterday. You read! 
So I'm studying. I'm studying the lines. Uh, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Well, he did one flew over the cuckoo's nest and, and Amadeus. Yeah. He, oh, he won two oh, Oscars. Yes, unbelievable. Both, both incredible movies. Mm -hmm. Two of the greatest movies ever ever done. Mm -hmm. So I had to read for <laughs> Jim Carrey in the room and Milos Forman and Georgie Shapiro from the Bronx, <laughs> who never acted. Said I'm not an actor. Yeah. And then I then I started doing the lines that were written. And, and he said, George, you're thinking of the words. Forget the words. Say what you feel. Wow. So then I, then I went back to my relationship with Andy, saying, Andy, it's not, it's not a good sign when people walk out in the middle of your act <laughs> and you're playing with pop goes and weasel. Wait a minute. You mean you said that off the top of your head? Yeah. Wow. So I tried, and tried some jokes, and I said, that's what why the Siamese twins nice. go to London so the other one could drive and he doesn't, <laughs> doesn't get it. I said, never. <laughs> Wow. So, so did was it healing for you when Man of the Moon came out? Was was was, was that? Like, could I have some water? Yeah. yeah. This is a this is a, this is. A I never book. talked so much in my life at one time. <laughs> so, I just oh, yeah, yeah, we, I just gave George mine. We're, um, so. I want Amy on camera right now. Okay, Amy, come come on in. Deliver water. George wants you. I want I want Amy here. I can't believe how much love you're getting. It hasn't stopped for one oh, second. Oh, stop looking! You're distracting no. me. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, so all right, so. Are you sure that's love? Yeah, that's love. It's love. So, so I want to thank everybody for loving me. Thank you very much. This is a toast to you out there. I'm telling this you, is, you miss your calling. This is my last appearance, and I'm so glad. That I could share it with all of you, because I'm never going to do this again. Is it Vicky, so painful? Vicki Abelson has won me over to do this, and it's because of Phil. Because I, I know Phil would be upset with me if I, if I said no thank you to, to, to Vicki. If I said no thank you. That's a good Phil. Yeah. That's Phil. That's, this is Phil. That's a good Hi, Phil. Yes, I'd like some more food. Thank you. The greatest, the greatest food show ever. Ever. Uh, uh, Phil Rosenthal is the greatest foodie in the history of foodieism. Yes, he is. That's a good foodieism. word. Foodieism. I like it. I love foodieism. The foodieism. And to somebody feed Phil. Mm. Oh, fantastic. Um, somebody feed Phil on Netflix is one of the best best shows in the history of television, motion pictures, streaming, everything. God bless Phil Rosenthal. I, I what a talent. Here. And Besides could, creating uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. And Maggie Wheeler was at uh, Women Who Write yesterday at my oh, salon yesterday. Fantastic. Yeah, she yeah. was fabulous. And that show was, was incredible. That she was, was his original choice for the Patricia Heaton role, you know. I did not know that. She was. I did not know that. And Phil, and Phil fought for her. And wow. he lost, but he fought for her. Wow. Yeah. She told the story yesterday. Wow. That's incredible. Um, so, so, all right. So, before we move on from Man in the Moon, did Where's you... What, Amy? Amy, where's the water? Wanted. Is Amy out there? So, yeah. she's right here. Oh, Amy, come on out. I want you to go on camera. Come, Amy. Oh, yeah, she's, she's like, no way, George. Oh, she said, no way. She's so beautiful. She was a, she was the producer of me. If you're not in the Obit Eat Breakfast, which is a, a, a movie I produced with, with, with Amy and, uh, and, and Danny Gold, who also directed it, and I had this file called uh, Vitality After 90. I had it for a couple of years, and Amy, you know, kept saying, do, "Let's do this movie," and she hit me over the head with the file. I said, "Okay." <laughs> so, and there's, you know, with, with Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks and Norman Lear and, and Kirk and, Douglas and, and Big Ben and, and Betty it's White, fabulous. and it, you know, it was incredible. So she, in the course of her, 
you know, we did this movie and, uh, oh, incidentally. Yes. Why do I plug things here? Please. Uh, on December 10th, the DVD is coming out on Amazon so the people could order it. The people that still have DVD players and, uh, you know, I, th I think a lot, there's plenty of old people that still have it. You know, and a few young people uh, that still have DVD players. But that, if, if, if you're not in the Ovidi breakfast, was a, a treasure for me. It was a, a work of passion. And with all of these incredible people in it. And we have Ida Keeling, who's a runner in the Bronx. She's 103 years old, and she's still running. And Unbelievable. I, you know, I'll show you uh, some, some pictures of her that are just amazing. 103. And uh, she just did recently did the talk, and she did push-ups, <laughs> and uh, oh it's just uh, incredible wow. the, the vitality of some so of these people. Who's going to be and in Kirk the Bronx? Doug, Kirk oh, Douglas. Wow. Who's going to be in the Bronx? Who is going to be in the Bronx? One, the next one is called the Bronx, uh, that documentary on HBO, and and we have uh, we have General Colin Powers in it, wow. and Alan Alda and Arlene Alda, mm -hmm. and and, and uh, Robert Robert Klein sings and dances in the street. Oh. Chaz Palminteri, mm. Melissa Manchester. Fabulous. You know, it's just, uh, it's just just an incredible thing. And we go back to the Bronx, to our old neighborhood, mm. you know, so, which is mostly minority Marshall kids. You know, close, mm. Marshall Lou. Marshall Lou. We went to Mar it's, uh, D. Clinton's on Marshall Lou Parker right Did you go to D. Clinton High School? Is that yeah. what you said? Oh. D. Would see a lion to you and boom, Clinton. Kind of Clinton ever to be fairest of high schools. Give it three times. Oh, okay, no. Um, she's cutting he's, me. She's silly. The director is no, giving me cutting I'm not with the singing. Cut. I'm oh, loving it. It's so cute. It's I'm so getting cute. a musical here. It's, I love the music. Okay, so so let's get to Jerry. How did what? How did you? How did Jerry happen in your you know, life? Jerry's so interesting because uh, well, the, uh, he worked. He was out here. He's from New York, mm -hmm. and he came out. And he was working at the at the comedy store. Mm -hmm. And uh, what year is this? This was 1960. No. Not 60. Jerry's my Make age. Make it 1980. Okay. <laughs> you know, when you get old, the years, 20 years or nothing. It was 1980. Okay. Uh, July 3rd. Wow. 1980, I saw him. Mm -hmm. And he, I have to give credit to a young man that worked at the office, Jim Canchola, because mm -hmm. he saw him first, you know, at, at the, at the it, was, it was at the comedy store. Had Jerry done television yet? Had he uh, done Johnny yet? No. No. Uh, he hadn't done Johnny yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he might have done uh, Merv Griffin. Okay. But it was before he did the first Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, so Jim pointed it out, and I saw him, and I liked him a lot. I brought Howard down. Oh, you know, a certain thing about comedians. Yeah. Especially if you're a manager, it's almost like when you see a comedian, you like. And it happened with, with Andy, and, and uh, you know, and uh, with, with Jerry. Uh, it's, it's the closest thing to falling in love when mm -hmm. someone makes you laugh that much and if you're a manager it's really like a marriage you're going to see a thousand shows that he's going to do or she's going to do so and it's, it's an emotional it's an emotional connection and I always emotion for laughter to me is I I, I worship the comedy gods you know God is a good thing but the comedy gods <laughs> they, 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 they you know, rule. rule my life you know I just love it and there's nothing you know better than just sitting and laughing and that's mm -hmm. why and I just so it's like falling in love. Mm -hmm. And I did that when, when you have a comedian like that. And there was another guy, Dennis Wolfberg, who passed away. Dennis, and he was so My hilarious. husband used to open for him. I, we, oh, were, we were on the road with Dennis. Oh, you're kidding me. Right before he, yeah, right before he got sick. So like a wow. year before he got sick. Wow. I love Dennis. What did your husband do? Gabe Abelson. He's a yeah. comic. And right. he, he was the head monologue writer for Letterman after right, that. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. 
but, but when he was middling for Dennis, and so we were right, on the right. road with Dennis. Yeah, for, so Dennis was hilarious. Oh, and I saw him, I think it was, uh, it was just, for, just for Laughs at Montreal Comedy Festival. Mm -hmm. Just pour rire. <laughs> now I'm going to show off my friend, Fred yeah. Jackson. J'ai étudié de français à trois heures l'école in Dean Clinton High School. That's really good. J'ai étudié de français. Yes. I'm impressed. Yeah. Merci beaucoup. Tu me flattes, c'est vrai? I'm so I I took Spanish and I can't say a word, but oh. that's beautiful. Ma, ma, ma oh, professeur de français, Monsieur Cushing, was oh, très bien. Wow. No, Monsieur Cushing is très bien. Certainement. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's really impressive. Uh, so what were we talking about? So we were talking about. <laughs> this is what happens when you get Dennis old. Dennis yeah. Wolfer. Oh yeah. Well, Dennis Wolfer and I, he was hysterical. Yeah. And he was a school teacher. Mm -hmm. And he transformed into doing stand-up comedy. And he was so emotional about everything. So I went, oh God, did I fall in love with him. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I signed did him. Did you, oh, you managed Dennis? I didn't know that. Yeah, I managed Dennis and um, I just totally loved him. He was what just What was the TV show that he had at, at the end? He was on a television show. Yeah. What was that show? I don't remember. Right, um, I, I forgot anyway, the title. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you must have done that he deal. He played a professor or something. Yeah, you yeah. must have done that deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. As you get older, you forget the name of the show. Andrew, so, all right, what so was the name of the show that Dennis was in? She'll, she'll Google it. Google it. Yeah. So, you know, he played this professor. It was a funny, a real funny yeah, character. Yeah, he was getting some. He guy. was getting some national celebrity, right? Yeah, and he also he did HBO. You know, mm -hmm. he did he did a couple of HBO specials. He had wild red hilarious. hair. He was hysterical. Yeah, well, let's bring in. Uh, you, you don't have to be on camera. You can hand me the phone with this okay. picture with this all picture right. on it. So, so what did Dennis have to do with Jerry? Oh, I was talking about you. Were asking back, yeah. Jerry? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like he puts my hands down. Get your. <laughs> uh, what did you do with your hand? I don't know. You put it, but you put my hands down. Oh, you were trying to touch me. Okay. But, but my girlfriend Katie, Katie Colleen, you know she's not jealous. Okay. So I thank God. I love you, Katie. So <laughs> Thank sweet. you for not being jealous of this beautiful blonde. But she's married with kids. No, I'm not married. I'm divorced. Oh, you're divorced. She's divorced. I'm oh. single. I did not know that. Katie! Katie! I didn't know that. I thought she was still married. I must have read an old bio. Yeah. <laughs> He's my husband. Okay, so, so, all right. So, so get back to Jerry. Oh, you know, so he was so funny. And also, yeah. he attracted all of the comedians. Mm -hmm. The comedians so appreciated how clever he was and how great his material was mm -hmm. and you know how, how dedicated he was to writing it and forming it. Craftsman. It was like a craftsman like like George Carlin. Mm -hmm. You know, George Carlin, you know, was one of one of you know Jerry's inspirations mm -hmm. Robert Klein and George Carlin, you know, doing this great observational comedy mm -hmm. and honing it, wordsmith, every word counted. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is that Jerry when I, I think it was twenty Five, 25, 26 years old, 25 or 26, mm -hmm. when I met him, and he would do his material standing behind the mic. Now, at the age of 64, he's flying across the stage. He has, a, he has oh. all this incredible mm -hmm. physicality in his mm -hmm. act. Was such an inspiration, mm -hmm. you know, the way he grew. And he was like, physically, you know, he was, he was quiet as far as body movement and mm -hmm. physicality was mm -hmm. concerned when he started out. Right. And he just emerged, and now he's like an incredible, performer on stage like like a, like a kid in his 20s or 30s on stage mm -hmm. and, and he's 64. Teacher? What, Amy? Was it teacher, teacher? Yeah, teacher, teacher? Maybe. Yeah, that teacher, teacher was yeah. one, but there was another one. I think it was a dramatic show. 
series that he was on? Quantum Leap. Quantum yes, Leap. Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. And Quantum Leap. That's what it was. That was then, the one when he started to get famous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he, he still sold out comedy clubs and everything. Oh, yeah. But as I said, but Jerry has been so, so, you know, such an inspiration to, mm -hmm. to, to me. And it was such fun working with him and, you know, getting him. So did, helping, so did, him did you go, after seeing him that first time, did you like, okay, I want to manage you? How did yeah, that happen? Yeah, well, as soon as Howard and I saw him and Jimmy saw him, you know, mm -hmm. he... You know, he agreed to sign, mm -hmm. and then, uh, then, uh, you know, poor Jimmy. You know, he he passed away to AIDS. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Jim Canchola. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, so I, I, then I, you know, worked with with uh, Jerry and helped. I wrote this letter to Brandon Todakoff saying, "Call me a crazy guy, but I think soon Jerry will have a series on NBC." Oh, and Jerry put that letter in the letters of the century. Oh. <laughs> a letter. I just sent this letter. You know, I said he was working for the first time in the theater in New York, first theater day in New York, uh, and I, I sent this letter, you know, to Brandon Tarakov, who was president of NBC. What year was that? Do you remember? Yeah, it was 1987, mm -hmm. and it was right before, you know, because this it, it was 88 maybe, and because mm -hmm. he did the the pilot in, in 89, the show mm -hmm. went on in 89 and went off in 98. But it was nine years, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I said that. Call me, but I, I said he's working at Town Hall in New York, beautiful theater. I said, you're invited, and any of you New York uh, 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 people uh, are welcome to come. No one came, but the letter wow. triggered a meeting. So let's bring in Jerry for a meeting. Wow. And the meeting was, you know, with uh, Rick Ludwin, and uh, he's a variety, head of variety, mm -hmm. Warren Littlefield, mm -hmm. and, and Brandon, you know, when they were talking, and Brandon said, you know, we like you, you may want to do a talk show, a late night mm -hmm. talk show, a variety show, mm -hmm. you know, if you, have, if you think of something. And Jerry said, I just wanted a meeting like this. I don't care. Oh, you know, it was, it was so funny. <laughs> and then, then like three days later, he went to New York and did Catch a Rising Star with, 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 with Larry, David, mm -hmm. and they talked about uh, the fact that NBC was interested. Mm -hmm. And they walked around supermarkets, made fun of it, ended up in a coffee shop, and Larry and Jerry, this should be the show, two comedians talking. I love that. Uh, yeah. Love that. Oh, that's great. And then they decided to have one of them a civilian, like George Costanza, would be in real estate or some other job, so that instead of having two comics, and because the balance is better, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, they, so that's that's what triggered it. And then uh, I was telling you a story because Julia was so hilarious, and she. Okay, I just I watched the Mark. You told me to watch the Mark Twain where she got the Mark Twain yeah, yeah. award, and that piece that she did at the end when she accepted her award may be the funniest. Well, Jerry said the same thing. Oh my God. <clears throat> if, if, if you didn't see it, I'm sure they keep playing it on PBS, PBS Go. It's also on, you can but get it on But it's on the Mark Twain Prize, no, where? You can, I saw it on YouTube. Oh, you, the whole show. Yeah, the whole show's no, on the there. The whole show's on YouTube. It's the Mark Twain Prize for, for Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh. <clears throat> Jerry said she was absolutely brilliant, you know, accepting the award. Mm -hmm. Monologue that was so hilarious and brilliant. Jerry was so taken with it. Mm -hmm. That I never saw him so get so excited, and you know the whole history was great, and she did uh, an incredible episode of comedians and cars getting coffee. Oh yes, she Cause, did. Because that their 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 connection was immediate. In fact, when I did that little thing on uh, for the Mark Twain Prize, mm -hmm. I called Larry because I was in all the casting sessions on Seinfeld <clears throat> from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But when when Julia, the connection with Julia, I asked Larry David how that came about. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, he worked on Saturday Night Live with, with Julia. The, the one season, Larry was a writer. Mm -hmm. That was one of the seasons uh, 
that Julia was there, and he recommended Julia, you know, to Jerry for casting. And uh, they just had a meeting, and they had a script. They read a couple of scenes, and that was it. The, the, the chemistry was there immediately, and uh, and it, it was an and absolutely incredible. And she's based on, on and, Carol Leifer, right? Yes, Carol, Carol Leifer and Jerry, you know, a boyfriend girlfriend, you know, and then they became very close friends, mm -hmm. which they still are. So that was that was the character. And it was one time that NBC suggested strongly. And this was at the very beginning when mm -hmm. the ratings weren't, weren't very strong. Mm -hmm. They strongly suggested that Jerry marry <gasps> Elaine Bennis, that they get married. And, uh, and Jerry and Larry, we were in the parking lot outside NBC, we had, you know, after they said that, and Larry said, uh, that's not the show. Mm -hmm. This is a show with four great friends. She's one of the great friends, mm -hmm. and it's a whole different show. The other two would be sort of out in left field. Right. So, and, uh, and, and they both took the stand, you know, uh, that if NBC insists on it, then they'll do the four episodes. They only had done four episodes at the time. Uh -huh. And then Larry David, who was, and now Larry took a big stand, and this was very important. Jerry was making a living. He was doing great, you know, great, In clubs. great clubs. Mm -hmm. He was making money, mm -hmm. you know, but, but Larry was fired, you know, from where he quit, whatever it was with Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. That was one of the episodes of Seinfeld. George Costanza quit. <laughs> And then, then he comes back, he said, and he forgets to say anything, he just comes back, pays no attention to that. Larry did the same thing on SNL mm -hmm. when he quit because they didn't use his sketches. So Larry said, uh, I'm not going to do the show if they insist on this. And Jerry agreed. They both said that. And Larry said, I only have four shows in me anyway. <laughs> I'll never wow. forget, never forget wow. that. But, uh, Wait, before, before, you can keep talking, wait, 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 but I want, I want to show what you How have here. How long have been doing this? I don't know. Don't worry hey, about it. We've been it. doing over an hour. But hey. I, I want to hey. show, I want to show that this is, this is the Seinfeld set right here. Look, look, it's on top of Georgia. And, and, and what, oh, a, a That's little, fabulous. Oh, it's fantastic. And the little stool fell out. I'm going to have to put it back. But the other thing I wanted to show is in Georgia's office. We know why there's Junior Mints. One of the funniest yes. episodes that has ever yeah, been. Yeah, they have a ever. great promotion with with the, with the, they're gonna do a whole thing. Oh yeah. See, yeah, this is this is really you know, next year is 2019. Right. It's the 30th anniversary oh. of, of, of the beginning of Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and they're gonna do a lot of uh, building. Maybe the set's gonna be built. They did it a few oh. times at uh, a, a, a couple of comedy festivals mm -hmm. where they built, you know, Jerry's. Uh, apartment and uh, soup Nazi oh, council. So they'll be doing that in <laughs> celebration next year. They're going to have a big celebration of that. So that that's going to be incredible. And Larry the soup Thomas the came soup, and Larry did Thomas, my, the soup. He came soup, and did my living room. Yeah, the soup Nazi is going to be all over the place. He's worked <laughs> a lot of places already. Yes, he has. Yeah, Clusterfest, which was a big comedy festival a couple mm -hmm. of years ago. Jerry did it. And the soup Nazi was there, and they had Festivus for the rest of us room, <laughs> you know, with the pole and, and all this merchandising. And the, you know the uh, the apartment and the kitchen, so they're going to do a lot of stuff like that next year. And I'll keep you informed. There are more yeah. iconic expressions. Oh, moments. expressions. All, Nothing all has ever so, come close yeah. to Seinfeld for that. Yeah. It's so so. How did the America? How did you do the American Express thing? I mean, because that's iconic. Also, Jerry's American Express ads. What was whose brainchild was that? Well, Jerry was sort of involved with. Uh, the, the, you know, with the developing of the American Express commercials, you know. Uh, but how did that, how did that, how, how did that happen? Well, it was just an, an interest in Jerry, and Jerry did it, but he got, he took, 
he got very involved in, in the writing of it and everything mm -hmm. else. And they had this uh, this great uh, couple of shows with Superman. Mm -hmm. Superman and walking down the street with Jerry, because mm -hmm. they, they were very good friends. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Warburton, Patrick, yes. who's incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he played Superman. Mm -hmm. And they were walking down the street together and everything else. And they go, they go into, this is one of the episodes that, that they go into a coffee shop and they're having coffee, Superman is there, the animated Superman and Jerry, and this guy comes running in and he says, Superman, Superman, you, I don't know if you remember, I was, I was hanging from a trestle, I was about to die, I had no, no strength left, and you saved me, you whipped right in and brought me to, to, to dry land, you saved my life, you're the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of mankind, and he looks at Jerry and says, you're good too. And, and, and you know, it's, I think Jerry wrote that, but there were, there were so many great things with the, the lingo when he went to England. Mm -hmm. here, you know, there was the soccer thing, singing, here we go, here we go, here we go. Another musical number, here we go, here we go. Here. But this is my last appearance. <laughs> By and the I, way, the word trestle, it, as soon as you said it, it warmed my heart, but only us from New York knows what a trestle is. Is that right? Do you have yeah, your, I don't do you, know. No, see, don't they don't know trestle, George. Right. Is, uh, a trestle, it, the, the subway used to run above the ground, above the Yeah, it was an elevated ground. train. And so the tr that was the trestle, yeah. right? The okay. elevated okay. train. It's almost like a bridge, you know, yeah. like hang, it was hanging from there and, <laughs> and Superman saved them. But the delivery of that line was so, was so great. And so, so, so how did comedians uh, in cars having coffee, how, how did that, how did that, did Jerry always want to do that? Is that a new idea? New well, wish, well, he's been doing it a long you know, time. No, Jerry had the idea of like, he, he, his friend Marion Water and him used to go cross country. They used to drive all the time, mm -hmm. and he used to, you know, have do the video of them driving and talking. So right. it's really well. That was that, from that, comedian, that, right? That would that, that that started, you know, even before that. I think. Oh wow! You know, but uh, you know, it, it was an idea that Jerry had, mm -hmm. and it just got to the the timing was just right. And then uh, Steve Moscow was the head of uh, Sony. He was the head of television at Sony. And my partner Howard West said, "This is Steve would like this, you know." Mm -hmm. And and uh, we went in, and they did because Jerry and, and Barry did this little piece, uh, short pilot. It was a presentation, really, mm -hmm. and showed it to Steve, and he jumped out of his chair like within sixty seconds. Mm -hmm. He said, "This is great. Let's do it. We'll do it with Embassy Row, which is uh, own, you know, it's a production company owned, owned by Sony, mm -hmm. and it was on Crackle, so right. started." as a network, mm -hmm. you know, internet show. And now, of course, it, it's on Netflix and oh. uh, with, uh, with new episodes coming on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Christine and I were just talking about the fact that we've both seen every, every and episode. And you saw Obama? Oh, oh, yes. yeah. Obama. oh, yeah. They were all great. They were right. all great. Oh. They are. All, all unique and all fabulous. My favorite is when he brings the deli to, to Mel and Carl. Oh, Mel and Carl was great, mm. the two of them. Yeah. Oh, that was great. He picked up the deli. And, uh, <laughs> And, and, and you know it was also fun for him casting cards for different people. Mm. Oh, you know, because so he, he talked to Carl, and Carl, said, you know, I was in my life, I was never in a Rolls Royce. Mm. So so he gets this, the car, oh. and, and, and he's in this big car. I said, you know, and, and he it, it, it does a turning radius. There's no turning radius. <laughs> you know? And he said, what this is is a good living room. It's not a good car. <laughs> and, and then the, they had a great time, you know, at lunch, and then they Carl invited. Cherry over for dinner with Mel Brooks and and Mel Mel did not stop performing. He was singing and dancing throughout the whole thing. 
So that. tell them about Carl and Mel in real life and what their relationship. Well, is they like. met. They met. Carl and Mel met each other when they were doing the show of shows. It was 1950. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's getting getting close to 70 years, right? It's it's a been, long time. Yes, six, 68 years. My favorite movie is and my favorite year, which is like about yeah. their when that whole thing was happening. Yeah, and then. Carl and Mel, you know, they met at the at the show shows, mm -hmm. and then one day Carl walked in and he threw this question at me. He just made it up. I'm talking to the 2,000 year old man right now, and uh, he said, and he, he could ask him, you, you know, you must have known, you know, Jesus. Very nice, thin lad came in, <laughs> came into my store, never bought anything. You know? So, so and that started the 2,000 year old man. I did, I think they did five albums, mm -hmm. and it's a wonderful special. Mm -hmm. And, and I was also, you know, featured in, uh, if you're not in the obit, eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. And Sheila Nevins, who was the head of, Sheila Nevins was the head of uh, uh, documentaries for HBO. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my, my original title was Vitality After 90, which was not good, because then you think it's about old people. Mm. And, uh, and Sheila Nevins, in her infinite wisdom, you said, use Carl's joke at the beginning of the special. When Carl started, the, the opening of the documentary, the call says, I walk down to the front door, I get the New York Times or LA Times, I open up to the obituary section, if I'm not in it, I eat breakfast. <laughs> so that, so Sheila Nevins, she said that should be the title, if you're not in the obit, eat breakfast. And that, she was great, and she yeah. also made a lot of great comments. She and Lisa Heller, you know, of, of HBO, they, they worked with us on it, and they gave us absolutely great notes. Of all my experience with any network executives, these were the most creative notes. Mm -hmm. The cuts were good, mm -hmm. expanding the 2,000-year-old man, and the title, because how often do you Fantastic. say a title when you get a laugh? Right, absolutely. So she did that. So Carl, now, on December 10th, I might have mentioned this, but I could say it again. Yes. The DVD is coming out. You can order it from Amazon on the 10th. If you're not in the obitty, eat breakfast. It's fantastic. You know, and they're all great in it. Carl Ryder, Mel Brooks, and Dick Van Dyke. Okay. Mm -hmm. Norman Lear is tremendous. Oh. You know, because uh, Mel does a singing number from the Catskills when he was <laughs> working in the Catskills. And Norman was laughing, laughing so hard, and he said, you just added six years to my life. Aww. And that's the joy of what I'm talking about, of laughter. Mm -hmm. You know, and Tony Bennett sang The Best Is Yet To Come, which was so perfect. <gasps> For the show, and Betty White was a delight. With you know, they call it, and she go back to her. Her husband was a, his commanding officer. Oh you know? wow! So I didn't in, know that. In, in the army. Wow. So it was uh, an absolute you know gem and the joy of it. Mm -hmm. And Kirk Douglas, in December 9th, is going to be a uh, hundred and two. Oh Jesus! And he's still he's still writing. So anyway, huh? that's so December 10th. That's coming out. December 13th is Dick Van Dyke's 93rd birthday. December 14th, this incredible special, the third one, the third annual Dick Van Dyke Now in Living Color mm. special is coming out. Did you exec produce this one yeah, too? Yeah, I was the executive yeah. producer that. Mm -hmm. Paul Brownstein mm -hmm. was part of it. And then they show two colorized episodes of Dick Van Dyke. <gasps> colorized? Oh, I, oh, I can't imagine Because it was a black and white. Yeah, black. But I He's a colorized and they've done brilliantly. Really? Paul, Paul Bramsey did an incredible job. Wow. Uh, and one of them is called Never Bathe on Saturday, <laughs> where the storyline is Mary Tyler Moore, they're going on a second honeymoon to mm -hmm. this beautiful hotel, champagne, caviar, and she wants to take a bath before, 
and, and she goes into the bathroom and she gets her, her toe is stuck oh, I in, in the closet. So Carl Car says, of course, yeah. everyone is like visualizing naked Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> and, and she had locked the door and they couldn't get in. Yeah. And the whole show is about her being, you know, and, and the bathtub is hilarious. That's the other one. And the other one is said, where do I come from? And Richie asked them about how did he get on Earth. So they're two gem of episodes. Mm. So that's going to be on December fourteenth, uh, and then Dick Van Dyke, you know, returns. Mary Poppin returns is going to be on the. That's going to be released on December nineteenth, you know, by by Disney. Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, I, I t you know, I turned down a screening for that, and Lin was, was going to be I there would, talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I, last night. Yeah, it was I last go, night. Uh, yeah. Oi, how fun! I can't wait to see the film. Yeah. So oh. anyway, so Dick. He, he, he's 92, now he's going to be 93, but he was 92 and he sings and dances in it. And that's on the trailer, you can see it on the trailer. You know, so, so and Carl and Mel just did a Toy Story 4, they recorded it in Carl's house. Carl plays Carl Rhinoceros, <laughs> and Mel plays Melephant Brooks, Rhinoceros <laughs> and an elephant, you know, oh. who are best friends. Oh. And uh, they were both hilarious. You know, ad-libbing, and they, they, they recorded that. That's coming out, I think, next summer. June or July of next summer. And his, I'm sure Carl's working on another book as well, because he's yeah. always working on a book. He's working on a book. He keeps working on books. And uh, Angie Tribeca does a, a show with Rashida Jones. Mm -hmm. He did this show uh, that they filmed. Uh, he plays an ex-head of the FBI, and uh, uh, they're trying to get Heather Graham Mm -hmm. And Rashida Jones are trying to get information. They're a special unit of the police department. Mm -hmm. They're trying to convince them to give them information, and they, they can't get make any progress in his living room. And then they cut to them in the bedroom, the three of them in bed with Carl Ryan <laughs> at the age of ninety-six. He is my hero. <laughs> so, so this is what Carl, Carl is doing. And so now. what? So Jerry, comedians in cars. What? Anything else? Does it, Jerry have any? Well, Jerry did this incredible. Uh, a special called Jerry Before Seinfeld, yes. which which is on Netflix now, mm -hmm. and he did he because he'd been, you know, writing jokes, you know, since he was like twenty years old. He has every joke he ever wrote on legal pad, and there was one scene. So he did it. Re, he recreated a lot of the stuff at the the comic strip in New York. And that's where the first time he was on stage. Mm -hmm. So the, he did the show from the comic strip, and re reminiscing about everything, doing the thing talking about his, his parents came, and he said he was never funny at home. His father was a very funny guy, mm -hmm. and he wasn't funny. And, he, and his parents were in the audience, he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm a funny guy, I want to follow this lifestyle. So, I, I, you know, it was like he came out <laughs> to his parents being a comedian. So that, 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 we did that when I was one of the producers of that. With, it's fantastic. Yeah. I was there at the premiere. Yeah, and, and he also had all of his jokes on the street. Well, that was so great, I think. Oh. I mean that's like an incredible Tell them. book cover. He did. He had all of the jokes, the, the legal pads, on a huge New York street, and he's sitting cross-legged in the middle of it, like a cute little boy, surrounded thing. by a whole street full of his. Uh, I think it was Minetta Lane, wasn't it Minetta Lane, where he had all his? I yeah, I think it's Minetta Lane street. in the village, and he had the but, entire thing. But was it was a jokes. huge street, and it was all covered with his jokes, you know, and that's going to be part of a. Uh, a book that that he probably will be doing, and uh, and then he has another stand-up special to do, and he, another another twelve episodes are coming out of comedians and cars getting coffee, 
and Jerry's so involved in, in, in all of it. You can, know, you leak, can you leak any of the guests that are coming up on the next batch? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I, I, won't, I won't press you. Oh. Okay. I don't know, maybe I'll leave it up to Netflix okay. to say that. Okay. So, and how about but, for George Shapiro? Is but, there but I think, you know, there was some publicity, I think someone um, had mentioned, you know, because of this internet thing mm -hmm. and, the, and the, the tweets and the, mm -hmm. uh, someone tweeted about Murphy Brown, you know, uh, no, what was it? Uh, Eddie Murphy, I meant. Mm -hmm. Murphy Brown is good also. I love Murphy <laughs> Brown. But Eddie Murphy, I think that was revealed about him and uh, uh. a few other people, I think. Mm -hmm. Ryan Regan is doing oh, that one. Oh, he's so funny. Yeah. So, because the people see him at the restaurant, so they, they mention who's going to be on. Seth Rogen. Uh, but it's, it's, it's going to be a tremendous season. Coming on, I think uh, Jerry's started to editing it now, and it'll be be on in, uh, like in the summer. Excellent. June or July will be. And how about for you, George Shapiro? Is there anything that this you is my have... last appearance? <laughs> but is there is there anything that? Oh, I touched his. Le I'm sorry. Tell we're doing another. Sorry. We're doing. I'm working. You know, we'll be working with Jerry on his next special. He's mm -hmm. doing another stand-up special that'll come out in 2019. Okay. For for Netflix. You can do a favor for my for our audience. Would you do a favor, please? Because you you have discovered and cultivated talent that has has changed the world. It, what, tell me, tell me when you is it instinct over the top? Is over. it is it instinct? What what when you yeah, when yeah. do you know in the first? I told minute? you. I told you. Really, it is instinct. Okay. It is instinct because I said. It's like falling in love. Right. You know, sometimes you might get rejected. I mean, I fell in love. And they, Have you they, ever been they, rejected? They, 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 uh, well, I wasn't rejected, but I, I fell in love, but they had a love already, because I fell in love. Uh, I, I loved, uh, you know, Ray Romano, mm. and he was the Rory Rose Gardner was no his manager. I just, you just see someone like uh, Harry Columbia was the, the manager of Michael Keaton. Mm. I loved my, I saw him in a club when he start, first started out doing comedy. Mm. You know, he, so yeah, I mean, it's instinct. Mm -hmm. And it's, all, it's very personal. Mm -hmm. Because that's why so many people can be elevated. You may say, how did this person become a star? Because maybe there was a manager that believed in him and, and worked And Because the manager's basic, their job is to put the bat in the hands of the, of the performer, if it's a comedian. You know, they can't do the stand-up, but they give them opportunities. So you know, and, and that's what, what, what I love about being a manager. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that, that turned into you know, producing. And it was just the joy of my life because I'm around laughter all the time. And I think this is George Shapiro signing off because my voice is giving going. Okay, but, but, but wait, one more thing before we go. This is supposed have to be an hour. Have, I think we've been on an hour. All right, so have you, have you seen anybody lately that's really excited you? Uh, like, uh, well, you know, uh, I, I love Jim Gaffigan, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Uh, John, John Mulaney. I mean, a lot of, oh, yeah. and Kevin Hart. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many. And Kev, these, uh, Kevin Hart is just a, uh, he did comedians of cars getting coffee. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just, uh, uh, it's exciting, you know, to see these young performers. All right, uh, well, Melissa I know. Melissa Villa, uh, Padre. I, I just want you to know how happy George is making people. I know, the love just keeps and flying up. I want you to read this, Vicki. Our veterinarian. You, you read it. You our read veterinarian, it. Dr. Lisa Newell. Who you know, Dr. Lisa. Dr. Lisa, Dr. right. Dr. Lisa, Lisa just Lisa. texted me. She's at home with her Come mother. Come here, we want to sit here. Yeah. Uh, no, but I'll read this because I know. Okay, get, get her. Lisa, I hope you hear me. Okay. 
My mom is really enjoying this, by the way. She needed it today. Unfortunately, she broke her arm this weekend and had to go to the orthopedist Andy. today for a cast, and she's in an amount of pain that is so sad to see. But her watching Georgie and hearing the stories is making her smile and laugh so much, which makes me cry of happiness. Oh, I oh my God. My Getting that? Pain. This is really taking her mind off of it. Oh, all right. That's so, fabulous. say hi to Lisa. Lisa, right? What's her mom's name? Do we know her mom's name? I, uh, Lisa's mom. Lisa's mom. Hi, Lisa's, Lisa's mom. Dr. Lisa, we love Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Lisa. Thank you, Dr. Lisa's mommy. And so, as we're signing off, George, I, I want to say on behalf of everybody who's watching that I thank you because what Via you, Senor. Because her name is. Melissa Via Senor. Really, Sally. She, she, Sally. Okay. No, no, the, the comedian, oh. A, oh. a young comedian that, that's doing uh, comedians and cars getting coffee, and I saw some of her stand-up, and she's wonderful. Like it's nice to discover new people. Trevor Noah, Jerry used Trevor Noah before he got the, you know, the the, the, the what's what's his name? I don't know. The Daily Show. Oh, 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 yeah, show. of course. He, he, he discovered him before then. I mean, it was, it's such a great thing when you find someone and they just explode with oh, the, yeah. in the world of comedy. Well, you've helped a lot of people explode. Well, you've, you've helped important people explode, and you've brought so much joy. I'm, I'm the not, laughter that you I love. I can't handle this. The, the laughter that you love that makes you so happy. You See, this is going to make me cry now. Yeah. But you have brought so much laughter and joy to this world. Right. And I am so grateful to you. And so on behalf of everybody out there, I say thank you, George. Okay, Vero. thank you so much. And I want to thank you know, Jim Carrey. For, of course, he made me laugh. Your hands on my I, leg. Your girlfriend's oh, going to get upset. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm sorry, Katie. But you know what I love about you, Katie? You're not jealous. <laughs> I love that about you. I just love it about you. Oh, and I'm glad we got secretly married, spiritually married. I'm happy about that. Really? Did you? Spiritually married. I love that. Me too. And you meditate. We didn't even talk about that. Oh, that's You've got this whole other world. But I don't know if that, that I don't know if it's that's fun. But Jim Carrey gave okay. me so many laughs. Amy and I saw Ace Ventura at the theater. I didn't stop laughing from beginning to end. I mean, and then the joy I had with Jim Carrey doing uh, Man on the Moon. Mm -hmm. Because I was with Andy Kaufman, you know, for four months, every day. I was with Andy Kaufman again, and I loved him so much. Mm -hmm. And they were doing, there was a recreation of uh, Carnegie Hall. Uh, and uh, Is that when he took everybody for... Yeah, for cookies and milk. And Robin <laughs> Williams. And Rob, Rob, Robin Williams was one of the people that gave out the cookies. Get out of here. Yeah. Not only that, but Robin Williams played his grandmother. He was sat on stage. He said, my grandma is here. They, this was, you know... Uh, we, we got a, a wig and, and makeup as an old lady. Before he was, he was, was sitting it before in, Mrs. Doubtfire? Yeah, because Mrs. Doubtfire called me. I mean, the producers wanted to know who did the makeup. Get but, out of here. So before Mrs. Doubtfire. And this was a concept by Andy. Mm -hmm. uh, so that the grandma was sitting in, in the audience. He said, Grandma, I want you to have a great seat. I brought your chair in from Miami. <laughs> and sit in this chair and watch the show. And it was Robin Williams, you know, in this beautiful grandma outfit with the hair. And he sat, Robin Williams, for two and a half hours, sat on the stage. No! He even dozed off like a little old lady. And at the end of the show, at, at, at Carnegie Hall, he thanked Santa Claus and 
the, the Norman Tabernacle Choir, the Rockettes, <laughs> and and then they went to the sack. His grandma was really Robin Williams, and he took the wig off, and everyone went nuts. Oh my God! And Robin sat there. How's that for a friend? <laughs> wow! And Robin was with me when Andy, you know, passed away. The the last breath. He was mm. he was there at the hospital with his mother and dad and me, mm. and uh, his brother and sister. So anyway, so I have, but Jim Carrey has elevated my life so much. Mm -hmm. And then I saw this documentary that he was really responsible for, you know, uh, called Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, which is on, on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I it was, it was so brilliant. And it, I, I, I laughed and I cried mm -hmm. watching this thing. Because it was a scene, I mean, uh, he, and I didn't realize he brought the cameras around. So he, he had all the footage. I thought it was a publicity, you know, mm -hmm. from Universal, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, but it was him. And there was one scene when they recreated the scene with Andy going to the Philippines when he was bald and had cancer. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I hugged him, you know, during the documentary. I was hugging Andy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was Jim as Andy. Mm -hmm. And I just burst into tears, you know, while I was mm -hmm. watching that. And I, had, I didn't even know it was filmed. Wow. This was the first time I noticed it was filmed. You know, but Jim Carrey is just an incredible artist and he's doing great artwork. Yes. You know, you can look at him on the internet and see the incredible mm -hmm. artwork he's doing. I love you, Jim. Anyway, thank you very much for seeing my last appearance on television. <laughs> I have a feeling this thank is going to be much. the start of something big, George. Uh, Jean would say thank you very much. Very, very much.